Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into Sunday Smash, the final Sunday Smash of the calendar year without real football stuff to talk about. That's pretty, really stinking cool. Alongside Irish Rafael, the managing editor of Warchant.com, my name is Tom Lang. We welcome you into Sunday Smash, presented tonight by ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Get locked in if you're in the state of Florida with your local ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Uh, and enjoy a celebratory beverage because now here we go. Tuesday afternoon, Mike Norvell speaks before the press. Wednesday is day one of fall camp 2022 for the Florida State Seminoles. Ira, how's it going tonight? It's good, man. I can't believe it's finally here. You know, I was uh, Kim and I were talking yesterday and she's like, are you excited You know, about practice starting? And I was like, I really am. You know, like there are, there are some years where you kind of dread August because, you know, it's going to be a lot of. Long days uh, of covering practices and, and, and all that. But, man, I'm, I am really excited. I mean, I'm excited about what this team could be. I'm excited about, um, you know, just the, the not just the storylines, but there's so much riding on this season. Um, so it's just, you know, one way or another, I think we're going to have a good feeling for the direction of Florida State football, uh, depending on how this season goes. And so uh, I am super excited about it. I'm, and I'm excited because of the access we get at, at camp. You know, Mike Norvell – uh, lets the media basically stay out there every minute of every practice. And uh, the only thing we don't get to see is the two preseason scrimmages, uh, which will be on two of the Saturdays in the middle of camp. But everything else we get to see. So, man, it's awesome. It's great. It's great uh, It's great to be a, a journalist covering Florida State football during the Mike Norvell era, uh, assuming they start winning some games. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that we're all rooting for him for the access, <laughs> for the access to continue. You saw the message underneath, if you haven't done so already, and you are excited for football season to begin Hit the like button underneath this video and subscribe to WarChant TV. It is going to be loaded with content this week. We're looking forward to the Tuesday luncheon. Mike Norvell speaks at 11.30 a.m. Then we get to sit down for a little informal lunch with uh, some of the assistant coaches and the support staff, followed by some on-the-record talks with the coordinators and assistants. So there's going to be a ton of content on Tuesday, and then Wednesday it begins. It's mostly morning practices, as is tradition under Mike Norvell for fall camp. However... Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week, you're going to have afternoon practices. So be sure to come back to WarChant TV in the evenings for the content from each day's practice. We're going to have you covered wall-to-wall here at WarChant.com and WarChant TV. But Ira, I guess before we get to looking forward to camp, and everybody in the chat, uh, Director Matthew is producing the program tonight. 
So if you have questions about camp, well, he'll file those away uh, as we get into tonight's show, and, and we'll talk about some of our expectations. We'll answer some of the questions you have as best we can without seeing some evidence. Uh, but Ira, let's look back. ACC kickoff. We were in a car together with Aslan for, what do you think, 18 to 20 hours? Uh, if you're talking about even the, the commute from our place in Charlotte to the Westin, uh, spent a lot of time together this week. And uh, obviously, there was a, a lot to be said about our week in Charlotte. So what's your take after you spent some time decompressing from the rush that is Atlantic Day and Coastal Day for ACC kickoff? You know, I think the, you know, obviously the big topic there was, uh, you know, the ACC's approach to, uh, you know, conference realignment and, and Jim Phillips comments, which we talked a lot about on, on Wake Up War Chant and also a, a stand up Aslan and I did and just comments uh, on the website. And uh, so that was a big topic. You know, the Florida State contingent did really well. I thought, you know, Jordan Travis was impressive. I thought the confidence, one of the things that we, you know, was a common theme when we walked out of those interviews and we had several interviews with Jordan Travis, Jamie Robinson, um, Fabian Lovett, and Mike Norvell. And, and just the the big takeaway, I think, was the confidence from the Florida State football team. And, and I think, um, and again, that kind of gets back to why this is such a big season, because you know, they have to see the results of that. You know, the, it's one thing to to get the players to buy in. I think you get the sense that they are completely bought in. I mean, Jamie Robinson during his interview must have talked, I, he must have said buy-in 15 times talking about last season when things turned around and they realized, okay, we can't do it our way. We have to do it what the coaches want. We have to pay attention to details. We have to have that buy-in. And they, they say it's all there now. Well, the great thing about buy-in is it can bring a team together the other side of it is you have to have results and, and the team has to have success. And if they don't have success, then you're going to have issues within the team. So that's another reason why I think this season's so, so vital, but, but yeah, I mean, I just think it was, uh, I thought they, uh, you know, again, talking to the players and coaches, I think, you know, I'm, I think uh, you can feel their confidence and I think that's a good sign. Yeah. One of the things and Mike Norvell was available to the local media only at one point on Wednesday, um, there were times where when Norvell was expressing confidence over the last couple of seasons, I just felt internally, my own dialogue was saying, who are you trying to convince like you or, or me or, or the fan base. And when you feel that way, it gives you pause and you think, all right, so I'm being pitched to, and that's not necessarily Mike's fault. He inherited a mess and he's got to instill confidence. It might even be that he's trying to convince the roster that, you know, you, you, this right. can be done. You can get where you need to go. There was a calm, about the way he was talking. And maybe we talked about this on the Wake Up War Chant podcast uh, that night. Maybe it was because he was sitting down. It was an extremely informal session. Everybody was in a chair, and it was almost like a Mike Norvell town hall where he was just uh, shooting the breeze with us. Maybe it was that setting. But Ira, just to me, looking into his expressions and, and the way he was describing things for this roster, I, I didn't feel like I was being pitched to of why they could be successful. I just think he he believes it in his heart that they're going to be successful this year. Yeah, I do think that he does what he, one of the things he does is, you know, all coaches are sending messages through the media and that's what they're doing, whether it's uh, to the fans, whether it's to donors, whether it's to the players. And sometimes with the players, it's sending different messages in terms of sometimes it's, uh, you know, criticizing them because he wants them to, they want them to, to, to take their practice to another level. Sometimes it's, complimenting him and trying to kind of get their spirits up. And I think Mike Norvell has a tendency to do that. He's a very positive – He it's o almost always positive messages. There have only been a couple times, really, since he's been at Florida State, 
where he's really come after the players and talked about not being focused enough or not giving enough effort or whatever. He's always very positive, but I did think it was different. And, you know, people can watch that interview uh, up on the site or at YouTube on, on our War Chant YouTube channel where they're at right now. And, uh, you know, just kind of get a sense for, for where he's coming from. It was also like very detailed in terms of why he thinks they're going to be better. And he went into great detail about, you know, the, the, a, the experience, but also uh, the new players they brought in, the fact that co- players are coaching each other at practice um, during the summer player run practices. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of things to point to, uh, to give you, you know, just again, to give you some excitement going into camp. Yeah, that's one thing I'm looking for in fall camp starting this week is, you know, there's a transition period. If a program is going to take that next step for success, that the coaching staff doesn't have to micromanage the players, that they kind of police themselves. Uh, and, and make sure that guys are in line, whether it's in a drill, which we can see during practice, or whether it's making it on time to whatever it is, a meeting or a PRP in the offseason. We don't see that as much. But we heard those legendary stories back in the day when Florida State was last competing for championships of a Telvin Smith or LaMarcus Joyner or Timmy Jernigan basically beating down the door of a teammate who didn't show up when they were supposed to be somewhere. They would go find them. A player-led program is my point. I look forward to at practice this week just to see if anybody ever gets out of line or it's dragging on a given day, who is the person to bring the energy back up? Is it is it indeed uh, evidence of buy-in like you're talking about, or are there still some ups and downs? And, and it might not be fair the first week when they're getting acclimated, but as this thing wears on and you get to the dog days of August, it'll be interesting to see. And that's another note I should point out, Ira. They're going to be in Jacksonville again for two days uh, right. in camp. They're going to UNF's campus. What do you think of that? Do you think it actually has value? Well, obviously the coaching staff does, but what's your assessment of, of taking two days to go over to Jacksonville? You know, I was reflecting back on what they did last year. And and so Mike Norvell did take uh, the team to Jacksonville last year for two or three days. And I was right before a scrimmage. I think it was in the same spot. of, And I think, you know, if we go back to at that point, one of the big things he really focused on was, um, you know, that it was uncomfortable, that, that it it was almost intentionally miserable. You know, you, the, the rooms they stayed in were not the, you know, the, the nicer dorms that they, or the nicer apartments that they live in in Tallahassee. It was college dorms, old style college dorms with smaller beds and smaller rooms and not all of the amenities that they have. And then the practices, if you remember those practices, Mike Norvell really ramped up the pressure. There were a couple of moments in those practices where, players basically got into screaming matches with Mike Norvell. There were one or two instances where, you know, he's, you know, just you could tell the emotions were boiling over because it was uncomfortable and because he was pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. Also that practice field that they're on has no shade whatsoever. When Florida State practices at home, they can go inside the indoor facility for a little bit. They sometimes have that, the trailer with, uh, you know, the, the cooling down trailer. Uh, they have all of their, you know, uh, amenities at practice. They don't have that in Jacksonville. It is literally a field with no shade and it's just miserable. And so I think that's part of it. I think building the the togetherness that comes from that shared experience. And then also I think, you know, there's a lot of the routine stuff that goes with playing a road game. And so, you know, being, in, being again, being away from home, uh, those types of things. Florida State, obviously, early this season is going to have a huge road game at LSU. So I think there's a method to the madness. Uh, I, I also understand fans sometimes who are like, what's the point? It's between Willie Taggart and Mike Norvell, they've taken this team to to Tampa or, or Bradenton or Jacksonville every year for the last four years. 
and it hasn't changed the results on the field in terms of wins and losses. So I, I get that part of it as well. But but I do think there's a method to the madness. Was there shade for the media? Because I wasn't there. You were. <laughs> it, the, the only way you can get some shade is if you like hid under a tree, but you didn't have a good view of the practice. So no, man, I got burnt to a crisp. It was a good, uh, it was a good, it's a good, uh, uh, at, like, I guess attitude building experience for, uh, the media as well. So who are you sending? You're staying home this year, right? <laughs> no, man, if they're practicing, I'm going to be there. I, I, I'm sure I will be there. You had a perfect attendance last year for practice. I remember in the fall and, so. uh, yeah, we, uh, we fully expect that to come again. Again, everybody, if you're just joining us, Wednesday is the first day of fall camp for FSU. It's been a busy week up in Charlotte. Uh, three players and coach were available. We've talked about that a little bit. But let's get to Jordan Travis before we start to look forward. Jordan Travis, for the media breakout, sat in the exact same seat, Ira, that he was in last year. The only difference is across the room was not Mackenzie Milton. Jamie Robinson was sitting in where Mackenzie Milton was last year. What did you sense out of Jordan? this week and does that increase your confidence level or affect it in any way about what Jordan Travis is going to be this fall and somebody just uh high Noel just uh or h1 Noel suggested uh bring an umbrella like a parasol I guess or either they're saying it's going to rain or I should bring a parasol I might bring a parasol Tom or at least wear a hat I think I got sunburned last year you can wear uh, a war chant branded one that'd be nice <laughs> we could we could um yeah I think uh uh, yeah, the biggest thing from Jordan is just he just seemed relaxed, and I think that's a good thing. I mean, you know, we've talked about it, you know, just here and there over the last few months about what what it could do for Jordan Travis to not be going into preseason camp in a competition. And there were there were a lot of complaints uh, from fans during this offseason that FSU didn't go out and get another quarterback. They didn't go in the transfer portal and get somebody to either compete with Jordan Travis or to try to beat him out or just even be a competent backup. And, you know, the, we weighed all the positives and negatives to that. Well, one big positive to that is he knows it's his team. And this is the first time you can talk all you want about whether or not you've seen improvement in Jordan Travis from year one to year two to year three. I think there has been marked improvement. But even if you don't believe that, nobody has seen him in this situation before where he is the undisputed leader of the team. It's his offense. Alex Atkins in the spring said, this is Jordan Travis's offense. It's not my offense or Mike Norvell's offense. That's a big statement, and I asked Jordan about that, and he said he heard that comment and really appreciated it. So we're going to see a more confident uh, – I think we're just going to see a much more confident and calm and relaxed Jordan Travis going into this camp, and you know we'll see. That could yield really positive dividends. We'll just have to see. Yeah, last year he said to the media up in Charlotte that he thought about quitting the game, and if it wasn't for the relationship that he had with Coach Norvell and, and at the time Kenny Dillingham, the offensive coordinator – he might very well have done that and walked away. This year, I asked him, when's the last time you felt this confident? And he said high school. And that was when he was a, a high-level recruit and playing very well. And obviously, the competition level wasn't as high as it is now. But that gives you a window. Jordan is very giving when it comes to talking about his own mentals. You know, Where is he yeah. confidence-wise? And, and this week, he said he has not felt this way since he was in high school. Uh, again, everybody in the chat, if you're on YouTube and also on Facebook Live, you can send in questions for Ira and I. We will be previewing camp uh, for the remainder of today's show and just kind of shooting the breeze. So, Matthew, I, I see you starring some of these things in our admin. If you don't mind wiping up the first question, uh, we'll bounce back and forth on topics as we go here on Sunday Smash. Make sure to hit the like button. Old Swiss Irish. How you doing, Swiss Irish? He says he wants to hear about both uh, Maury Smith and Caden Lyles, the battle at center, as well as Dennis Briggs. Uh, there's been some weight gains and changes for the first two. 
notably Maury right. Smith. He's one of those guys, one of the first names we looked at as FSU released its fall heights and weights. So uh, what do you think, Ira, about those two guys before we get to Dennis Briggs? Yeah, and I'd mentioned it before. I was hearing that Maury Smith was closer to 290, and that you know I was kind of wondering about that. But, yeah, the, they released the weights last week. I think they officially had him at 288. Yep. Uh, so it's definitely in that ballpark, and it's a really good sign. And, you know, Maury Smith, uh, we all know he's got athletic ability for a center. He's, he's, I think he's a smart kid. I think he really knows all the line calls, all the, the mental part of the job to play in this system. He's been with Alex Atkins now for two seasons coming into this year has started, you know, the vast majority of those games, but he also got worn down last year and you saw it physically, the NC state game, the Clemson game where games where he just kind of got seemed like he was getting blown off the line of scrimmage. And then the spring he was, you know, listed at like 270, 271, which yeah. we're thinking, man, what's going on here. But now he's got that weight back on, I, you know, from what I understand, coaches feel very good about the way he's responded to the challenge of having Caden Lyles and the fact that he's healthy now. And he's, you know, he's a very confident guy. He's not uh, worried about losing his job. He thinks he's going to win that job. But Caden Lyles, as you said, also has lost some weight. So he's, you know, he's been in this program now uh, for six months, seven months. He's been through the conditioning. You know, they've gotten him. You'd like to think that they've gotten him quicker as well. So that's going to be one of the biggest position battles of this of preseason camp. Who wins that starting center job? And if they're looking for the five best linemen, is it possible that Caden Lyles moves to guard if Maurice Smith wins the center job? So, I mean, 290 pounds is not too small for a center. Um, he can, If he can carry that weight, uh, he could possibly win that job, and then maybe Caden Lyles is an option at guard. So we'll have to see how that plays out. And the other one, uh, just about Dennis Briggs, I did see Dennis Briggs a couple weeks ago uh, on campus. I thought he looked great. I thought he has the, the weight doesn't look like it's any different from the spring to the, from, to the fall um, based on what they released. But, but I thought he looked, uh, I thought he looked good. I thought he looked like a defensive end, like a big defensive end, like Keir Thomas. And uh, so I'm excited to see what he can do coming off that injury from last year. Yeah, I'll go backwards. So certainly Briggs was not going to lose enough weight to be some sort of speed end, anything like that. Yeah. Uh, but I was interested to see if there was any trimming down, notably in the weight category, there hasn't been, you've seen him. I haven't. So that's one of the names that I'll be looking at closely uh, when we get to camp on Wednesday just to see what kind of 280 is he carrying. There's no doubt he carries the, the heavyweight well. Some players do, some don't. Like Fabian Love, it doesn't look like he's 310 right. when you see him uh, up at Charlotte, but he very much is. And then for the offensive line battle, I totally agree. The number one thing I want to see with Maurice Smith is, all right, if the back issue has been settled and, and he's fully healthy, is his snapping better? Because that's a big part of playing the position, and there have been some issues consistently with Maurice about – delivering the ball where it needs to be so the quarterback's eye level doesn't have to drop. If that's consistent, then you've got yourself a full-on battle at center. And and like you, once I saw that his weight was closer to 290, I thought, oh my goodness, you've got yourself some depth for the guard battle, more than I thought. Because if you looked at my war chant top 40, I didn't think very much of Maurice at, at 270. I just didn't know how much he could get into the fold. But you're pushing 20 pounds of gain between spring and now, and you might actually have the loser of this battle fill out your roster where you've got uh, Mike Norvell was saying we're hoping for 10 double digit guys who can come in and not only just hold down the fort but help us win football games well the loser of the center battle may do just that so uh and can I have one thing just a theory on this on the snaps you know a lot of times talking to George Henshaw former uh FSU assistant coach and a long time NFL offensive line coach that I've talked to in the past one of the things he told me was that a lot of times when a center snaps are, are bad, especially if it's a guy who can snap, it's because of concerns about the blocking and, and what he's got to do from a 
you know, handling whoever's lined up over him. And I really think that if he has gained weight and strength, then he might feel better and more confident in his blocking ability, which might take some pressure off the snaps. Because a lot of times guys are, are trying to get rid of the ball too quick because they, they're worried about getting positioning to block this 320-pounder across from him. So we'll see if, if that helps his snaps as possible. Yeah, so it would be like an indirect effect of the injury is because right. he's, he's thinking a lot faster. The other thing I'll say before Matthew brings up the next question is with Caden Lyles losing a few pounds, and we'll see what he looks like because if he trims down on top of the fact that he's lost raw weight, then maybe he could be a little quicker. But this offense, if you're going to play guard specifically, right. they want you to pull. And, and I don't know that that's Caden's game. He, he's more of an uprooter than he is somebody who can flank you. Uh, but if he's lost a few pounds, does that mean that he's a little bit quicker? So that that's something to keep an eye on in fall camp. Uh, next question is from Briley. News on Robert Scott. So this one, Ira, I'm going to lean on you because when I saw that weight gain, I, I was taken aback. He's into the 330s now. Robert Scott is playing tackle for FSU. Uh, that's I think it was close to 20 pounds that he put on between spring and fall camp. That's a short period of time to put on that kind of weight. He's got a huge frame. Uh, but what are you hearing on Robert Scott? And do you think that that's the good kind of gain or might it be like Briley is positing maybe a little bit because of an injury? Yeah. You know, honestly, I haven't seen Robert. Um, he's one of the guys I haven't seen since, uh, since the spring. Um, so I can't say physically like that I've seen him and what he looks like. I, like I did with Briggs. Um, but I, you know, just talking to, you know, Norvell talking to Jordan Travis about Robert Scott, when we were up there, they, you know, they just, I mean, again, they could be good poker players, but they they both seemed very opt very you know just excited about what Robert Scott looks like physically um, and and what he's going to be this in camp. We'll know for sure soon enough, but I can't say specifically. I I am going to assume it's good weight, um, but you know we'll have to see on uh, Wednesday. Even if he's jacked, the one thing I want to see and and you say you know from a photo standpoint, we do the photo dump on on Warchan and it's it's high quality photos. It's not like a dump of anything, but. Uh, if he is really like cut and, and he looks like he's done a lot of work in the weight room, I still want to see about the agility because it, you know, of course they know what they're doing. Coach storms knows what he's doing, but that would just be, that's a whole lot of weight to carry around. And some of these defensive ends that Robert's going to be going against and, uh, you, you better be ready and you better be quick enough to handle that. So another thing to watch for, but it is nice to say and see Ira that, uh, Norvell laughed about it twice on Wednesday that this group on the offensive line carries between what 15 to 17 bodies that can actually work for you right now on Wednesday in practice. And when they put the pads on over the weekend and into next week, you get a better quality of practice up and down the roster. When you have that kind of depth on the O line, it starts with guys like Robert Scott, but then you come down to this freshman class where you look at those heights and weights of the Armellas and saps and earlies of the world you're going to get better reps in practice for everybody involved because it's not a bunch of walk-ons playing O-line. Yeah, and that's why, you know, especially the last couple of years, uh, you know, sometimes I, people would very, um, I guess, just be quick to judge uh, Tate Rodemaker when he was running with the threes or uh, or even the twos. And it's like, man, Florida State had better defensive linemen in the second and third group than they did on the offensive line. They just didn't have any comp capable bodies. They would have walk-ons playing center, on the sometimes the second team offensive line. I mean, actually a couple times, I think even the first team offensive line giving guys rest. So it this is going to be a completely different story. So not only are you going to get better, you know, work for the linemen, but I also think it's going to give better opportunities for the second team skill position players. To say there were like there were a lot of times in practice where the second team offense just had no prayer 
So you weren't even getting good looks against the second team defense. The depth there, I think, is legit. And I think you're, I don't know how much of it you're going to see. Yes. I mean, I think you're going to see 10 or 11 guys who could play this season. I don't know that you're going to see the last six or seven of those guys, but I think uh, in practice, it's going to be vital. Yeah, if we have intel on AJ Duffy from practice, it's going to be a little bit more right. fair. You know, that was right. the one thing by the last two weeks of, of spring, and everybody wants to know about that young quarterback who's coming up and how does he look? And in an emergency, would he be good enough? It was totally unfair to assess that. He had a great couple of days and seven on sevens before they put the pads on. Then it was impossible to know. We're going to get a better sense of these things, and you get good offensive linemen going against the likes of a Bishop Thomas or a Daniel right. Lyons. Those are going to be real reps to watch. I, I'll be honest. Sometimes, Ira, when I was doing trench work, if the threes were coming, I'm like, well, D-line's going to win that, so let me look somewhere else in the football field. I, I don't think I can cheat and do that this year. Uh, next up, Matthew, if you've got the next question for us, it's from Pensacola Packbuster. That's a cool name, and it looks like he likes uh, trading cards there. I know that AZ Thomas won't have a massive role, most likely, this year, but are you guys as high on him for the future as I am? Honestly, I like him more than McCall, and I see a future first-round guy. Well, that's a good projection. That is an optimistic projection. Uh, I will hold my opinion. Ira, what do you think so far of AZ Thomas, and do you think he's closer to playing than Sam McCall is? You know, I, I, I don't know that he's much closer than Sam McCall. I think they're both going to play. Um, now I don't know if they're both going to play a lot of corner. I think they're both going to play a ton on special teams. I think, uh, you know, I think they, they were trying to work McCall at kickoff returns. Um, I think, you know, I think they're both going to get on the field. Uh, Zaria Thomas looked like he was a little bit more polished at corner, um, and he had some really nice days in practice. But, yeah, physically, I mean, he's – I mean, he's he's big time. I mean, he is just – there's no other way to put it. You just don't have many guys at his height, his length, his speed, his athleticism – they can play the corner that are agile enough to play the corner position. And uh, yeah, man, I think he's going to be a big time player. And I think, you know, what they have at defensive back was already impressive. You know, you look at Duke Cooper, uh, Kevin Knowles, um, you know, in terms of like those young guys. And now you have another stud. I mean, I love Shaheen Brown at safety is another young. I mean, they have a lot. They have guys who are freshmen and redshirt freshmen that, Really, I mean, just the potential is through the roof for that secondary. So uh, I really love Azaria Thomas. It wouldn't surprise me. I'd be surprised, honestly, if he, with his physical makeup and, and his intelligence, he's a really sharp kid too. If he doesn't end up being a first round guy, I'd be kind of surprised, you know, three, four years down the road. Yeah. I mean, you can't teach those measurables, and he is smooth. Like the difference between those two players for folks who only got to see the spring game, at least so far, AZ is way smoother. Uh, and, and everything seems to be in control. It doesn't mean he doesn't get burned every once in a while in practice. Everybody does. There are moments where you're like, ooh, a couple of bad reps in a row for, for Thomas. But he's just – everything about him is calm the way he plays. It's fluid. McCall has speed. McCall can jump out of the gym. He's a little bit more violent in the way he plays. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what the coaching staff is looking for more. I think Thomas will get a crack at some more, more important reps before McCall will, but we'll see. PRPs may have gone a certain way that McCall has earned uh, a more serious look earlier on in practice. Uh, that position is going to be fun to watch the open corner uh, competition with Renardo Green and Greedy Vance and some others. If Kevin Knowles flexes out there, maybe that opens up some different options. Uh, but I'm high on his area, Thomas. I can tell you, Pack Buster, and, and I just got that. That means you're opening packs of trading cards, so... I guess that's why your, your logo was your logo. But I remember going back to the tour of duty and watching, you know, uh, I think it was Hunter Washington, Sam McCall, and AZ Thomas in the same group. And we know McCall can fly. 
And Azaria is keeping up with him, and it looks like he's not even running. And that, I, that caught my eye right away. So we'll see what number 20 brings to the table. Uh, Trey asks, uh, who do you want to see the most from during camp? Well, that's a, that's a broad question. Um, there's a lot of ways you could go with this. Um, yeah. I, I'll start, and I'll say uh, this guy could be a game changer for the rotation on the offensive line. Uh, if Demetri Emanuel is a good player right off the bat, the things you can do shuffling around with a Darius Washington or with whoever doesn't come out on top with the Lyles and uh, Maurice Smith battle. Uh, I mean, Darius could go slide back to tackle and play there, and maybe he's a better fit and he has a better camp than he did in spring. Uh, Dimitri Emanuel, to me, is a very interesting prospect because Alex Atkins wouldn't take him if he couldn't play. Right. You, you know, you could say that maybe Alex knows that he could be a floor raiser for the offensive line, but with one year left, I think Atkins has a, has an inkling that Dimitri Emanuel can play. And I did ask Jordan Travis about Dimitri uh, in Charlotte, and he said he's a relentless worker. That's that's all. He's two lockers down from Jordan, and Jordan said, I can tell you that the kid just doesn't stop. He's a relentless worker. So I'm looking forward to seeing him because he's a new face. How about you, Ira? Man, like you said, this – I mean, I can name 15 guys, 20, 30 guys. I mean, there's so many – because, first of all, they did bring in new transfers – as you mentioned, Dimitri Emanuel, but also Jazz and Turnitine, another offensive lineman who started 10 games at South Carolina over the last couple of seasons. That's a guy who – is he legit? Could he play tackle uh, this season? Could he shore up that right tackle spot? Uh, you know, there's just a lot of different guys. But if I had to pick one, because of what he can do, how unique his school skill set is, and because we were kind of left wanting more in the spring, uh, it, might, it would be Johnny Wilson. Um, you know, I, I would love to see if Johnny Wilson could put together practices – consecutive practices where he's consistently catching the football. I mean, you just don't see guys like him that run like that at wide receiver, six foot seven can really, I mean, just can, has a really big frame can body guys up. If he can be consistent in practice, I think that's a game changer for Florida state. So I, I he might be number one on my list. Yeah. He's, I think with his blocking ability, he's going to see a lot of the field right. no matter what. But if he can catch the ball, I mean, what a nightmare that particular player would be to prepare for if you're a defensive coordinator. Because on the one hand, you might have to shade a second pair of eyes his way because he's just going to win a lot of 50-50 football uh, matchups thrown down the field just because of his, his range, his height, and his wingspan. But then also, if you throw and swing something out to the flat or you run a toss, I mean, he's going to seal it off. Some of the limited clips we saw of his work at Arizona State, he seems to like blocking enough. Right. Uh, I mean, a guy like that, plus a McLean or a Burrell or whoever it is, that's another part of this offense that should take off a little bit this year. They love the perimeter screens or the perimeter runs, but you got to have guys who care to block for one another. And uh, if Johnny Wilson can catch the ball on top of bringing that kind of value, there is no doubt uh, that he will be somebody that, you know, when they do the game breakers uh, at the beginning of every football game and they highlight a player or two, Johnny Wilson will make that list real fast if he catches the ball like his height would suggest. Spartan Knoll 71, except for Winston Wright, is the team uh, healthy heading into fall camp and injury-free? I'm trying to think if anybody I know of that they're concerned about. I Nothing jumps out at me. Uh, I may think of it down, later in the show and, and come back to it. But, but yeah, I mean, I think that's the big one. Um, I don't know too many other guys. I mean, there's still, still, still some guys that – were uh, unable to participate much in the spring, like Thomas Schrader. Uh, so, you know, a, another backup offensive lineman. Uh, he's a guy that they had starting in a game as a, as a true freshman. Um, so they definitely are very excited about him, and, but he has been hurt. So 
Um, you know, there are a few guys that probably were limited in the spring that we'll have to see, but nothing jumps out at me right away. Winston Wright's the big one, obviously. And, um, you know, it sounds like he's been running around. Uh, we've been hearing reports that he's ahead of schedule. Uh, you know, again, we, we, we'll see how much he can do during camp. We still expect maybe it'll be maybe a few, a couple, a few weeks into the season before we actually see him, uh, full speed in practices, but we'll see. Also, Ralph, just on a personal note, I got your email. I will respond. I got that while I was on the uh, road in Charlotte this week. Thank you so much for your support of us uh, on the chat and then also behind the scenes. Uh, we'll cut the line here. Ira, we got to do it. It's our mandatory. If you got it on your bingo cards on WarChan TV, you can cross it off now. TJ the Boss, appreciate your support of the show. Where's Destin Hill, man? Your guess is as good as mine, TJ. There's your <laughs> answer. I know it's not what you want to hear. Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, yeah, I mean, they officially report on Tuesday. Uh, if he's going to come, he needs to come. Uh, you know, again, we've talked to people at Florida State over the last year, and they have been consistently saying they expect him to get to Florida State. But until he arrives, I mean, what are you going to do? He, there's only, um, you know, you can't plan on it. And I think if he does great show up, that would be awesome. He's a guy that had a lot of talent in high school, has not played football now in a year and a half. And so, you know, we'll have to see. But I know everybody wants to know. We won't know until he officially arrives. I think when he does, I think there might be a parade in Tallahassee or at least uh, trumpets, a coronation. I think we're going to hear it. Around. People are going to be banging pots and pans in the street. Um, but as of now, we, we haven't heard that he has arrived. And even if he did, he'd still have to be able to play. That's the other right. thing. You know, it's just a matter of being able to produce. I, I get it. Uh, I don't know if they're holding up a scholarly form or not. I saw that related question. Uh, Michael answers this question all the time about Destin Hill, and all he can do is relay what he hears, which is the coaching staff feels like he's going to be a part of the team. I'm just a skeptical guy. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, and I saw another question. Well, we, we I mean, the, the, the reality is they were originally saying he would be here by January. Yep. Then they were saying he would be here in the summer. And now that they've said he will be here in August. So why would we believe it? I mean, I'm not saying that they're incorrect. I think maybe that's what he or his family's telling them. But until he actually arrives, there's no way to know for sure. And remember, everybody, to hit the like button underneath this video. This is Sunday Smash. He's Irish O'Fell. My name is Tom Lang. It is brought to you tonight by our friends at ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. If you're in the state of Florida, get stocked up. It's football season. One weird thing about the schedule this year is if you're an old fan or a media type like us, you get five Saturdays of college football this season with no FSU game. So make sure your fridge is stocked with the finest from ABC Fine wine and spirits. All right, next question up for us tonight. Matthew, what do you got? Scott Anderson, how close is FSU to competing with Clemson? FSU and Clemson compete. Well, you could say on the one hand, Scott, last year came down to four minutes, and if you get a couple of first downs, they're not just competing with Clemson. They're beating Clemson. But then again, Clemson, uh, in terms of roster talent, is leaps and bounds better than Florida State right now. So, Ira, with those context clues, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think what we saw last year is how important quarterback play is. And, uh, you know, they Clemson's great run over the last, you know, seven, eight years is married to they've had really high-level quarterback play, first-round pick type quarterbacks. Uh, last year, DJ Uyunglele was not very good. He was he, – thank you, man. He was, uh, he was poor uh, at quarterback. I thought he was below average at quarterback. And that's how you squander a season – uh, with all that talent, they just they were not very good last year. They did, and, and you know, Wake Forest, you know, might have been the class of the Atlantic Division. Um, but you know, I think when you look at, um, you know, can he develop? They brought him to 
ACC kickoff. That was one of the big topics at ACC kickoff was DJ is still officially the guy. Now we'll see. They have a, a big time freshman club. Nick, uh, we'll have to see if he, you know, can win the job or at least compete for the starting job. But if, if, if DJ plays the way he did last year, yeah, everybody can compete with Clemson because yeah. they're not elite in the skill positions right now, at least that we've seen. They've got good skill position players. They don't have what they had in the past. Their defense is insane. I mean, their defense is going to be as good as anybody in the country, and so that's going to be a problem. Um, but if 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 their offense isn't any better because the quarterback's not any better, then yeah, Florida State at home, can, I think, can definitely compete with Clemson. Yeah, Ira, I can pronounce DJ's name 10 times in a row for off the air. I've tried it on the JCS, and it just never works. So <laughs> I, just, I, decided, I decided to let it fly, and I got lucky that one time. He went yeah. for it, and he got it, everybody. Uh, Ira's fourth down math says go for it. Um, I, well, the thing is, by the time we play Clemson, they're going to know whether DJ is the answer or not. So, you know, it's either a freshman who's rolling down here, uh, calling plays and, and uh, running the offense, or it's going to be DJ. My question is, and, and you can't really know it until they get into the season, but for Clemson, is the offensive line markedly better? Because, you know, DJ is going to see ghosts if it's not, and I think that's going to impact where they go quarterback-wise. But if the offensive line is still rough, then they're gettable right now. Even hey. though they've got more talent position by position than FSU, Scott, you, Florida State would have a chance right now, and it's in Tallahassee this year. I'd also say that, you know, when they had a couple of key plays and drives late in that year with their, um, you know, the running game um, was big for them. And, and if you look back at those plays, I thought maybe linebackers got out of position, some defensive linemen got out of position. If Florida State, again, Tatum Bethune, I think he's going to solve a lot of that. He's, he and Kalen Deloach are very good communicators. I think they're going to do a really good job of making sure the defense is lined pr properly. And you've got so much experience up front now. You may not have the broken – 40-yard play or 30-yard play that they had in that last year's game. So, again, I think, and to your point about the offensive line, if it's not where they feel like they can pass protect and they don't have confidence in DJ and passing downs, which they clearly didn't last year, they would not let him drop back and scan the field, then, you know, that – and if your run defense is sure, then, you know, man, again, that's it becomes a much better proposition for the home team. Lose a couple of games early, and Dabo Stick gets really tired really fast. So we'll, we'll see. But they open with Georgia Tech, and that should be, uh, well, a problem for Georgia Tech. The pack buster is back. How confident are we that Bless Harris will be a solid starter? Not just a starter, but one that actually holds down the position with no question all year. Hmm. That's an interesting line yeah. of delineation. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know that um, I don't know that I am convinced he's going to be a, the starter. I mean, he might be. Um, you know, I think he was, he looked when we were at spring practice, he looked like he probably ended up being the starter. But since that time, they went out and got some more offensive linemen. And again, Justin Turnitine is a guy who started a bunch of games in South Carolina. He's played against SEC defensive ends. Um, you know, he could win that job. We don't know. Demetri Emanuel, he played, he started a ton of games to tackle at Charlotte. Whether he stays a tackle or guard, we'll have to see. Um, but he's an option as well. And, and so, and then Darius Washington, they worked him a lot at guard in the spring. He's put on some weight. Maybe maybe he goes out back to tackle. Well, we'll have to see. But, yeah, I, I don't think – I mean, what would you say the odds are that Bless Harris is a star? I don't know if you'd say it's higher than 30 or 40% right now. I mean, could, would you think it's it's a better than 50% chance that he he's a starting right tackle? Based on the information I know from spring alone, I'd say it's over 50, but not like 75 or anything like that. Just I, I'm one of the guys that's on the Bless Harris bandwagon, but Ira, I mean, look, you're right. You've got a bunch of new players and, and new variables to consider. So 
yeah. it'll be hard to tell. Uh, I thought that Darius and Bless looked about the same at tackle. Bless was more consistent. And they cross-trained Darius more than they did Bless. I mean, maybe they could try Bless inside. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, but I thought, you know, play for play. Uh, McClendon had a really good couple of weeks in camp, and then Bless Harris lined up out there, and things quieted down a little bit. Now, with the new bodies on campus and a whole summer worth of workouts, it just, you know, I, that's all I saw from Bless was one spring camp. You can have a good camp and then not be – you know, the answer uh, when fall comes around, Rick Leonard once won a defensive player of the year for Florida state in the spring, you know, defensive player in the year, he ended up being an offensive tackle for the Knowles. So uh, I, I try not to overvalue spring, but if we're solely talking about what we saw in spring camp, Les Harris was the best right tackle on the roster. That's got to go down as one of the more curious spring awards of all time when he was the most do- dominant defensive player or whatever the award Jimbo gave him Rick Leonard. And they barely played that fall. But, yep. Yeah. Ended up being a right tackle. Yeah. Uh, next up on Sunday, smash Tifton Seminole. All right. We go through Tifton when we cut through on the way to yes, the ATL. Who is your second tight end? That's an interesting question. That's okay. So Cam McDonald is your starter at tight end. Is it a Wyatt Rector? Is it uh Jarrell powers who got some praise this week from Mike Norvell in Charlotte? Uh, is it somebody else? Is it Marquiston Douglas? Where would you look first, Ira, if you're handicapping the tight end race, which unfortunately is something we have to, you know, focus on and hope it gets a lot better real soon. Yeah, and also Jackson West um, was yep. a talented true freshman last year. And, and then also Brian Courtney, who Mike Norvell singled out uh, the other day when we talked to him at ACC kickoff. But, yeah, I would guess, you know, the the big body Jordan Wilson type, I think you'd like to see Marquise Douglas step into that role. I mean, he is a big dude. And I I like what we see at Marquise in a practice. I mean, he – he does a very good job of using his body, especially in the red zone, to get the, those catches over the middle. Uh, I think he could be a real nice weapon on third downs. And uh, I, I like Marquise and Douglas. I think he's trying to get in better and better shape. Um, and so maybe that's an option. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of playing time right now, you'd have to assume uh, it's going to be I – would, I would have to – I would assume it's probably going to be um, – I mean, I'm drawing a blank. But the Rector. Rector, Wyatt Rector. Yeah. Uh, but also Preston Daniel, the four, the walk on, uh, he he definitely gets uh, he knows the offense, so he gets opportunities as well. But yeah, that's a that is a crowded position as we've talked about a lot. Um, but I think that number two position, I think it's gonna be Wyatt Rector, but then also Marquise and Douglas could be that big body. Yeah, to answer Gator uh, Marquise, and it would be my answer to that one. What tight end, in your opinion, needs to step it up this year? Just because. You already have a, a guy in Cam that's more of a receiving tight end. He can block a little bit, but it's not as consistent. Marquise, body type-wise, brings that difference that you're looking for. Uh, we'll see if that happens. I'd say if you're talking about, you know, who is your second-best pass-catching tight end, I think it's already Brian Courtney. But, I, you know, I, I just don't but we haven't. But we haven't seen Jarrell Powers. And right. So that's, uh, you know, Norvell was really high in Jarrell Powers uh, when we talked to him. Part of me wonders just if you have – depth at the on the offensive line and it's like record scratch can you believe that you have depth in the offensive line if you need to bring in an extra body do you just bring in an o-lineman in that situation do you do you punt on the idea of having versatility in what you can call by having a tight end out there in cam and then somebody else who can block or you just say all right darius come off the bench let's load up and overload one side and and play uh in what jordan wilson's role would have been uh, that's a position battle along with special teams. I know there was a question on special teams out there that uh, you wish you had more positive news. Drell Powers can change that, but we'll see uh, as the weeks wear on here in fall camp. There's that question about special teams. EMG, Matthew was right on it. What's your take on special teams? Improvement or stagnant? Hmm. 
I, I personally think there's going to be improvement just because you have Micah Pittman. I mean, he's a guy that not only wants to go out there and return punts, but can do it. He's shown it. He's shown the ability. We did see him drop one in the spring. Uh, I think he said that that was the first one he remembers dropping in forever. Um, but I think he was also trying to make a play that maybe he wouldn't have. So, yeah, I mean, Micah Pittman's a big upgrade at punt return. Uh, I think the return game in general is going to be better because you're going to have better returners. But um, the other thing is, and we've talked about it a little bit last week, is it has to get better because Mike Norvell has made it a priority. And John, that position, that segment group was terrible last year. And he's riding with John Papuchas. He believes in him. They have to get better. That I mean, I just, you know, if it's not, I think it's that's going to be a huge, almost disaster. If the special teams isn't much improved from last year, that's disastrous for this coaching staff because that's something that they want to be a calling card. One facet uh, of special teams is automatically going to be better. Uh, be better, just like you said, Ira, with Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman, who can go get the ball, he can catch the ball. Yeah. Uh, those yards are not hidden. I think you were fond of saying that last yeah. year. Uh, well, he will stop those uh, twenty and thirty yard rollouts in a heartbeat. Which automatically, if you need to go, you know, fifty five yards instead of eighty two yards on a drive, that makes a world of difference. Especially if you're not consistent with your skill position players, the O line. It changes everything about a game. So one facet will be better. I'm going to be more skeptical. I, I got to see it to believe it because they repped the hell out of special teams anyway last year. But let me ask you this, Ira. Was I seeing things or was I seeing the right thing? And tell me if I'm wrong. It felt like there were more other coaches involved beyond Papuchas when they were doing special teams drills in spring than maybe the year prior. Like maybe everybody understands that this is a critical, critical thing that needs to get cleaned up. Was I seeing things where, where other position coaches as involved last year as they were in spring when it came to special teams drills? Yeah, I, you know, I can't say specifically. I think it may just be maybe coaches were being more demonstrative, mm -hmm. maybe demanding more because of the concern about how they played last year. But, I, you know, they even though they have a special teams coordinator, you know, they obviously they split up uh, all the different drills. Like, for example, punt returns, David Johnson handles the punt returners. So we all kind of grill John Papuchas on Mondays. But really, that's John. That's David Johnson's guys, um, and and and, uh, and and we see him working with them, and I think he does a good job. So yeah, they all have responsibilities. But yeah, I mean, I think in the spring there probably was, um, I think what you probably saw was just more uh, a vocal approach, a more demonstrative approach, because they all know that position. That group has to get so much better. We don't we don't really ever talk about the kickers and punters as much, you know. Oddly enough, I think Alex Mastromano, I think his ability to to not kick touchbacks is a big deal. He's got that crazy streak where I think he's only had one touchback since he's been at Florida State. He does a really good job of of, of either making him return him or downing him inside the 20. And then also, um, you know, I think uh, I, I, I think Fitzgerald's better than people think. I, he got off to a little bit of a slow start. Uh, I think he did have, what, a 52 or 53-yarder last year. Um, I think you're going to see a good year out of uh, Ryan Fitzgerald. I'm always nervous if you're not, you know, Aguayo or Hopkins at the peak of their powers, because even Aguayo, uh, Roberto, you know, tapered off towards the end. Anything from like 43 plus, I was like, ah, giving away good field position here. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, special teams for me is just kind of a, a wait and see. But the one thing, I guess, a final note on that, when you're talking about coverage units or return units, if you've got a guy like Omar Graham or Azaria Thomas or Sam McCall in the fold now, it's that depth you're talking about. You know, depth doesn't just make for better practices when you're going 11 on 11. It also makes for better special teams. It seems like, Ira, they're getting a better class of player in here, and if they can't start, they're going to be on special teams, and they could be adding to the overall aptitude of that group. 
I, you know, and I wish that would have happened a little bit more last year, to be honest with you. I was disappointed. Shaheen Brown's a guy that I would have liked to have seen more on some special teams units. I'll be disappointed this year if we don't see a lot of Sam McCall, uh, Omar Graham, the linebacker, who I think they're really excited about. I want to see him a lot on special teams. There are some guys that have that again may not be ready to play in your base defense, but get them on the field in special teams. Um, so I, you know, you'd like to see more of that. I think this season. The two strongest positions, asks Matthew Sims. D-line and secondary? Well, Matthew, if you split it down to defensive interior, yeah, I don't know about the line four wide. And I know we don't technically run a 4-3, but you get the point. Uh, The defensive interior and then probably the safeties if you split the secondary up. Would you take issue with that, Ira, or do you think those are probably the two best positions? Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, You know, I I might – yeah, we'll see. I mean, running back has a chance. Um, but yeah, if I had to pick two right now, defensive tackle and, and safety would be the best. And, and again, Tatum Bethune may take linebacker up to a whole nother level and, and maybe in that conversation. So again, you're talking about the, the middle of that defense has me real excited uh, going into the season. That's going to be an interesting battle at linebacker. I mean, you can you almost want to pencil it in right now that it's Bethune and Deloach. Like those are your two. But I mean, I, I am. Okay. All right. You inking it? It's just ink? I, I, I am, yeah. Sharpie show fell. All right. Well, then there's also uh, DJ Lundy, who's lost some weight again this offseason. He's trimmed down. And then Amari Gaynor had a decent spring camp as well. Yeah. So, uh, And Omar Graham's a nice player, and, and he's trending upward in the long term. But, you know, you have different uh, different opponents call for different types of linebackers to be on the field. There are there are snaps to be won here. I'm interested to see if uh, DJ Lundy or Amari Gaynor comes out of fall camp as, like, the number three, because I think that's up for grabs. Yeah, I mean, I think Amari is more likely. I, I would expect. I mean, he's you know, I mean, he's been. This will be his fourth year as a main player in this defense. is uh, is a productive player. Obviously, does a good job of running sideline to sideline. Has not been as productive at diagnosing plays, shooting gaps, being in the backfield, that kind of thing that you want to see out of an inside linebacker. But I think they're going to, you know, you'd like to see them get him on the field because he is a tremendous athlete. Um, and so, you know, I I also think. You know, one of the things they did last year to shore up the defense after that ugly start was they simplified some things. I, I wonder now, because you have so much experience, you have so many veterans in this defense, and you've got uh, a better feel for what you've got. I want to see – I'm curious to see if they, they mix things up, get a little more exotic, some different formations, and then maybe look at different personnel groupings. So it may not be so much of the same 11 guys on the field, uh, and I think that could be some variations with that linebacker group. Well, how much do you think – with losing the two defensive ends they lost and the impact and the numbers are staggering, like over a hundred tackles out of those two guys. You don't really think of uh, uh, racking up a ton of tackles at defense. And like 25 or 30 tackles for loss, right? It's uh, absurd numbers. So that would lead me to believe and posit that Fuller's going to have to dial up more pressures. Do you think that could impact what we saw and maybe, you know, take some of the steam out of it? The secondary didn't have to worry about that covering for guys who were blitzing from different angles and, and, you could just allow those four guys to pin their their ears back and go. Do you think that that could maybe hinder the defense a little bit more? And I, I don't mean from the obvious uh, place of like production from defensive ends. I mean, just if you've got to commit more bodies to rushing the quarterback, then obviously there's some more holes to account for. Yeah, I mean, it just leads to, you know, high risk, high reward possibly. Yep. You know, maybe it creates more opportunities because, you know, again, we think back to the years where Florida State felt comfortable blitzing LaMarcus Joyner and Jalen Ramsey and, and bringing those guys off the edge. Well, it's exciting to be able to bring those guys off the edge, but you have to be really confident in the other guys 
in how they play man coverage. And so, you know, again, if, if they're, we know, we believe they're very confident in, in Duke Cooper. We believe they're very confident in Jamie Robinson probably, or, or should be pretty confident if they got to bring Jamie Robinson, certainly Akeem Dent down to cover slot receivers. Uh, that other corner position is going to be a question. Do they have somebody they feel that confident with there? But, but yeah, I mean, if you're going to do that, you're going to get burned sometimes, but you also might get some strips action, you might some produce some big-time plays. The final 10 minutes right now of Sunday Smash. If you haven't done so, hit the like button underneath this video. Subscribe to Warchan TV. It's going to be chock full of content this week. It always is, but this is the content you've been waiting several months for, everybody. Fall camp starts on Wednesday, and we talk to the coaching staff on Tuesday of this week. It's finally here. Matthew, what you got? Uh, any more? Yep. All right. From Jeff Burrows. Who's starting at left tackle? Well, the, the odds-on favorite would be Robert Scott. Do you think he holds it down, Ira, or is there a challenger from somebody else? Yeah, I mean, I do. I mean, again, we talked about it. I mean, they, they did bring in some other guys who can play tackle, um, but, I mean, I'd be very surprised if Robert Scott's not the starting left tackle. I think that's that's probably that and Dylan Gibbons, the left side of the – I think the two positions that we feel like are pretty much locked down on the offensive line are left tackle and left guard, Dylan Gibbons and Robert Scott – I think center, right guard, right tackle, man. There's a bunch of you can you know shake the dice and and roll a bunch of different numbers out and and we'll see what they end up with. Here's a question I've got for you, Ira. Just in theory, if Winston Wright is healthy, and you've got three receivers on the field, which three do you have on there, and where do you line them up? You know, Micah Pittman is going to be obviously in that conversation, but if things are operating the way that everybody hopes for. Is it Johnny Wilson? Is it Malik McLean? Is it Pokey? And I guess the secondary question I'd have, because Jeff and I talked about this on the Cameron show last week, do you line up right in the slot and Pittman outside or vice versa? Because I feel like Pittman actually is pretty dynamic outside of creating space for Jordan Travis. Yeah, and I think Micah Pittman wants to play outside. I mean, I think he he you know he realizes that that's there's a lot of value there, uh, even at the next at the next level. And so to be able to prove you can um, play outside as well. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, if he if Winston Wright's healthy, I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of four wide receivers, mm -hmm. and so um, because I think that they'll feel like they've got an advantage getting more of those guys. There were times last year, if you go back to middle of last season, where they said, "Okay, running backs are our best position on offense at skill," so they started putting running backs everywhere. They'd have two running backs in the backfield, sometimes one or two running backs split wide uh, or split out as receivers. I think this year you might see the other way, where where they're a little bit more receiver heavy. If I had to pick three. I'd probably say Winston Wright, Micah Pittman, and probably Malik McLean, although Pokey Wilson would be hard to keep off the field. I mean, Pokey Wilson's a guy that's been in this in this offense for a long time, is a productive guy, and uh, you know, he's that experience counts. He's made big time catches. You think about the catch against North Carolina last year. I mean, he's had those moments, certainly more than a, a guy like Malik McLean has, but Malik McLean has measurables that you know, Pokey Wilson obviously doesn't that. Yeah, to answer one of the questions earlier with maybe a bonus is who do you need to see a lot out of this camp? Malik McLean. It's a critical camp for Malik. Right. I mean, you know, he's he's early in his career, so it's not like you would label him with the B word uh, that that things aren't no. going as well. But there's opportunity there, and and he was I, I think the consensus between us at Warchan is average. You know, there were some good days, some some not so good days in spring camp. He didn't take that leap forward, but if he ever did with those measurables. Uh, that could change and make the offense more dynamic, just like with Johnny Wilson. It's not the same type of player, but he can help you. Yeah, and, you know, Ron Dugans made a comment last spring that was, I thought, pretty transparent. He said, you know, the thing that Malik McLean needs to understand is just because he's been here a year doesn't mean he's going to make a big jump as a sophomore just because he's here. 
Like he has to keep working because now teams have seen him. Now teams have film on him. He's got to improve his – he's got to he's got to work even harder than he did just get on the field last year when he started some games as a true freshman. So, yeah, this is – I think it's it's been a big summer for him. I've heard that there's been good returns on him in the summer, so we'll, we'll have to see in camp. But we, there's no doubt it's a big camp. We'll answer Tom's question in just a second. But uh, Gator Kirk, yes, there will be a seminal headlines on Tuesday this week. Uh, that is fully the plan, even with the media luncheon. Uh, you'll get some more details about that in the next day or so. So uh, the question from Tom was about Antavius Woody. Do you think he plays on the defensive line? Uh, my first inkling is no. Uh, I think he he comes in here as an offensive lineman and sticks there. Why do I say that? They've got depth on the D-line for the next few years. I, I don't know where he'd slot in. Uh, Malcolm Ray is going to be around. Joshua Farmer, Bishop Thomas, Daniel Lyons. They got the Tafasi kid uh, mm-hmm. who probably should be in the rotation in 2023. I don't know where he'd slot in. I think in the next two to three years, Antavius Woody has a much better chance to play O-line than D-line. What do you think, Ira? Yeah, and we asked him in the in the spring or in the summer when he got here, and he, he kind of laughed it off and said, no, I'm focused on offensive line for right now. We, you know, look, there were a lot of colleges that liked him more as a defensive lineman. And I think he likes defensive line, but he also knows that Alex Atkins wants him on the offensive line. So I think he's going to do whatever they need. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if that ended up being the case because they they built a lot of depth on the offensive line now as well. Um, so I, I would say it's TBA, but, but for now, I, I definitely think he's an offensive lineman. Two more questions, says the director. He's got him queued up. Hawaii, Noel, are there pads on Wednesday's practice? No. No, there are not. Acclimation takes – I never remember this, Ira. Is it three still? I think it's, I think it's three days. Three days. So what they've got, again, for you just joining us, is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they're practicing in the afternoon here. So I think uh stretches at 3.50, and they wrap up in the evening. We'll see if the weather holds those days or if they have to go inside. Uh, and then once they begin on Sunday, which I would figure to be the first day of pads because it's their fourth practice, those are morning practices. So it seems like a clear line of delineation where Sunday could be the first day of full pads. Uh, but we'll see. They might go shells, you know, shoulder pads and helmets, and, and then maybe they, they open up full pads next week. Because I do believe next week, Ira, it's Monday through Friday, every day. I don't know if they're going to go pads five straight days. Yeah, no. I think once they break out the pads, my guess is it'll be like a couple couple days in pads and then maybe a day um, where they go lighter. But, um, yeah, you, you know, the first three days will just be acclimatization. The final question of tonight's edition of Sunday Smash with Irish Rafael and me, Tom Lang, is from Gator. Gator Kirk, who will be the MVP on the offense, excluding Jordan Travis, and on defense during fall practice? So during fall practice, that's interesting because that that could be somebody who earns reps that wasn't going to earn them otherwise. Uh, what do you think, Ira? Offense or defense? Where do you want to start? Um, I'll go with defense first. Um. I think it's going to be Tatum Bethune, man. I just cannot say enough about how excited I am about him. I mean, I look, Jamie Robinson is the quote-unquote star of this defense right now. We all feel good about you know, Fabian Lovett and Robert Cooper, and you know they got a lot of nice players on that defense. But I, I, again, just because it's been so long since we've seen Florida State have a linebacker who who plays the position the way he does, and you know we were talking to Jamie Robinson last week at ACC kickoff, and you know he said you know it was one of the first days that Tatum Bethune came out to practice, you know, they ran a jet sweep the other way and, and he makes a tackle for loss. And I'm not making, I'm not trying to make Tatum Bethune into something that, you know, like an all pro linebacker, but I think his ability to read what the offense is doing, his, his knowledge of, of, of what, you know, again, his assignments and then his ability and instincts. 
I think he's a playmaker, and I think it's going to jump out. I thought he looked great in the spring. I think it's going to jump out how much, uh, how impressive he is in the fall. So I'm going to go with him. On offense, it's so tough because you know there's a lot of days you're not live. So most days, especially uh, like I, I'm wanting to lean towards a running back, I really am. But it's just you know they blow the play dead, and then the running back is taught to continue on and, and run 20 or 30 yards. Uh, we saw Trayshawn Ward in spring legitimately break a few big ones, um, and and he looks explosive. And I really like what he's going to bring to the table. And and if he ever needed more of a chip on his shoulder, he's going to have it with all the Trey Benson talk that was happening this offseason. But I got to lean towards Trey Benson. I, man, that just that is a different combination of skill set than we've seen around here in some time. And when he let loose in the spring game, I get it. It's it's the spring game. But that's just you, you haven't seen that around these parts. A player like that in, in, in a while. And it looks like he's got most every facet that he needs, Ira, to not be a liability, like in pass protection or his hands are terrible. Like He looks like he could be out there for a lot of downs. And I don't know that MVP is probably – it's not the right answer, but he's somebody that I'm looking at that could really change the, the face of the offense and how defensive coordinators prepare for FSU. Yeah, you know, and when we were doing the top 40, you know, I think some of you, a lot of the panel – uh, had him higher than Treshawn Ward. I still went with Treshawn Ward higher because, again, I think that's because of, of what I think of Treshawn Ward. I think really highly of Treshawn Ward. I thought he probably should have gotten some more snaps in some games uh, than Jayshon Corbin did last year. So, um, but I think Trey Benson's, a, you know, man, he's a big time player. I think he's going to be, if he is the MVP on offense of the preseason practice, man, you know, we're talking about a potential star, superstar in the making. That would be a huge deal. Uh, I'll probably go with um, I'll probably go with Micah Pittman um, just because I think you know him at the end of last spring again what he did in the spring game when he hurts his shoulder during those little two point conversions goes back to the locker room gets checked out and is like I'm going back out there and then has a, an impressive performance in the spring game where he's you know running over defenders and 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 making big plays. I think that he wants to he wants to be the star of this offense. And so I think he's got the confidence. I think he's got the ability. And he's got the opportunity because of the position he plays that I think uh, he may end up being the guy in, in preseason. As we sign off and we'll promote everything that we're doing here on Warchant TV over the next week. Uh, oh, well, thank you. Yeah, hoping for a speedy recovery. I talked to Corey. He's just having trouble sleeping, but he seems to be feeling okay otherwise. Uh, so thanks for checking in on that, Gator. Yep. Uh, Buddy is screaming this to the to the heavens. This is this is all caps, full screen. Would be nice to watch a bowl game again. Ira, we're watching a bowl game again that Florida State is involved in this this December. What do you think? Yeah? Oh, I think we are. And if we're not, maybe we're covering our coaching search. <laughs> um, you know, we'll have to see. But, yeah, no, I think we're going to be covering a bowl. I, look, man, again, this is going to go one of two ways. These players believe at a level that we haven't really heard in a while. And I think that they're gonna; those results have to be there. If they're not, it's gonna be a really tough job for Mike Norvell to kind of keep things on on track. So, yeah, and I and I do think, man, look at look, they've got they were the last seven games last year before the Florida game, they went five and two. Uh, they went five and two in the last seven games that Jordan Travis started at quarterback. You've got so many guys back. You brought in so many new pieces. I think, yeah, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna. I think they at least win seven games and maybe win eight. And I think it's gonna be a really good year. That's the thing with all these positives we're talking about. We're, we're not crazy though, folks. We're still thinking, you know, seven, eight, nine of everything bounces, right. right? That that's, right. but that's what needs to happen this year in order to take that 
next step. And we're going to document it every step of the way right here on Warchant TV. Subscribe to our channel if you haven't yet. It's completely free. And be on the lookout for a lot of great content. Wake Up Warchant records tonight. There'll be a podcast tomorrow with Corey and Aslan. Myself and Jeff will be live 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon right here on Warchant TV with the Jeff Cameron Show. Seminal headlines on Tuesday. Currently, the plan is, I think, a combo record live thing so you guys can react a little bit to the luncheon. We'll see if the schedule allows for it. And uh, we're live all week long, 1 o'clock every day. We got practice starting on Wednesday. So look for Warchant TV Wednesday night uh, after the first day of FSU's fall practice. Anything you want to promo, Ira, before we say goodnight? The Warchant app. Make sure you download the Warchant app if you haven't already. Again, especially going to preseason camp. It's a great way to, you know, you can you just sit there on your phone and check out. And we do have some free stories as well if you don't have a subscription. But, you know, if you do, obviously you can get, read all the content there as well. So get the Warchant app. You can get it in the App Store on your iPhones or your Androids or whatever kind of phone you have. You can find Warchant app. And if you're a member, too, there's a, you know the logins. It's all synced up. It takes you where you need to go when you're involved with Warchant. Everything multimedia-wise is right there. So for Ira Shafeli, managing editor of Warchant.com, for Director Matthew, who did a great job producing the program. TJ, thanks for the shout-out and the coin. Sorry I couldn't give you a better answer on Destin Hill. Everybody who asked questions, thank you so much. This has been Sunday Smash presented by ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. We will talk to you on Warchant TV this week. Like the video!